Good afternoon, everyone. Shalom Aleichem, Bruchem Abam, to the Kalal Agar de Perka. We're continuing to say it's a fascinating subject. This is literally the most cutting-edge topic on the minds of all scientists and technologists. And it should be on our mind regarding how we view it in a halachic sense. We began the subject last week. Perhaps we'll do two parts of it, because this second part is not uh, specific to artificial intelligence, and that's the topic of the day. This is going to be a three or four part series on AI, artificial intelligence. So, Bruchem Abom to the Kala Agor de Perka. Good afternoon, everyone. Shalom Aleichem. Wonderful to see everyone. Let's briefly uh, review what we learned last week, and then we'll uh, proceed. Uh, last week we began discussing our, uh, voice activation. If there would be a machine that you could speak to it and it will do work for you, would that be considered a malacha? At first glance the Torah says, malacha. Don't do work. Usually speaking is not considered work. If someone speaks Lashon Hara, they don't get Malkus because it's a lav shein by Maisa. But we began yesterday with what seems to be the prophecy of Rav Moshe Feinstein who said that if they would ever create a machine that you could speak to and it would do work for you, Rav Moshe says off the bat, it would be Malacha Raisa. We explain the basis of this very clearly. The Gemara Bab Metziah discusses whether if you muzzle an animal while it's threshing without physically muzzling it but rather by yelling at it with your voice, Rabbi Yochanan says you're chayiv, Rish Lakish says you're pater. Rabbi Yochanan says you're chayiv because the movement, the contortions of your mouth are an action. Toysus asks, an action? So why did Rabbi Yochanan say that there are three lavin that do not involve action that you still get malchus for? Swearing, timura, and cursing. But here Rabbi Yochanan says speaking is an act. So why does Rabbi Yochanan refer to those as lav she'im Maisa? To which Toysa says, the reason why Rabbi Yochanan in our Gemara regarding threat, muzzling an animal with your voice, the reason why Rabbi Yochanan considers that an act is because your words produced a significant act. By screaming at the animal, the animal ceased and desist from eating. So that's it's not that the words alone are an act. Cursing is not an act. Swearing is not an act. But screaming at an animal, causing it to desist from eating, that is an act. Toysus goes on further to say that even Timura, even if somebody were to speak, and by speaking, transferring Kedusha from one animal to the next, that too would be considered an act. Because even though your words did not create an act, your words created a significant result. And therefore, based on that, uh, it seems that if you would be able to speak to a machine and the machine would do work for you, you say, hey Alexa, hey Google, hey Siri, um, do me a favor, turn on the lights. It's, it's hot in Nishtav Shabbos Garet. Now, I got an email this week that... Wa- why isn't this a Vidaber Dovar? We know you're not allowed to ask a Gentile to do work because we learn that from Vidaber Dovar. Wouldn't this be Vidaber Dovar? Of course this would be. Um, so there actually there are two ways of looking at it. Number one, we're suggesting it's much worse than Vidaber Dovar. Vidaber Dovar may, may only be Dirabanan. This is 
Your words, you yourself are doing an act. It's not a matter of what you say, you yourself are acting, because your words bring about significant result. If you ask a Gentile to do work, then that's not called an act, because the person who you act, the person who you asked, he could or could not do it. He may do it, he may not do it. Even if you know he'll do it, ultimately it's his choice. So there the issue is, Vidaber Dover, it's a Drabanan. Here it's a Daraisa, because your words brought about significant result. And we mentioned that we know there's a general principle whenever there's a Machlaikis or Biachan Reishlakish, we paskin like Rabbi Yechiran. And that's in fact how the Rambam paskins. The Rambam paskins, if you muzzle an animal with your voice, you're considered acting on Shabbos. It's a Maisa on Shabbos. And therefore, we concluded, and uh, we saw this in the Minchas Yitzchak, and Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zechazag Levracha, that Dibor, that is Ka'avid Maisa, is considered a Maisa, and therefore voice activation would definitely be considered an act. One little technicality we have to uh, discuss, and this will be part two of the series, and maybe today we'll do part three as well. And that is, okay, I understand it's considered an act, but is it considered a direct act? Or could you make the case that this is not a direct act, this, w- this should be considered something more like grama. This should be considered something like grama. <laughs> the truth is, we could really uh, trim this down to a different case and discuss turning on a light switch on Shabbos. We know one cannot make a fire on Shabbos. It, to light a, uh, a light bulb, the old-fashioned light bulb, um, incandescent light bulb, that's also lighting a fire. But the question is, what about turning on a switch? Because if you think about it, the electric current is already in the wire. The only thing is the electric current cannot get to the bulb because there's a gap in the circuit. By flipping the switch, you connect the circuit. So, are you really actively causing a fire on Shabbos? Are you really directly, better said, are you directly lighting a fire on Shabbos? Or is the fire there? The fire has no way to travel. So by flipping the switch, you're just building a bridge. You're building a bridge in the circuit. You're completing the circuit. So, would that be directly lighting a fire on Shabbos? Would that be burning a fire on Shabbos? Or would you say, no, that's not burning a fire on Shabbos. That's just a grama. That's indirect. By, fill, by completing the circuit, and I know there's the opinion of the Chazoynish that it might be makabipatish, um, it might be building, but those are not the traditional viewpoint of uh, Electricity, usually electricity is considered fire, mamish. So the question is, is that directly lighting a fire? You're just building a bridge. You're enabling the fire to get from point A to point B. So is that Havara Midairaisa? So and and that would apply to a voice command. Am I doing an act or am I just triggering an act? And if I'm triggering an act, maybe it won't be permitted, but it won't be Dairaisa, maybe it should only be Dairabanan. So to understand electricity and to understand what is considered in halacha acting, what is considered triggering, what is considered causing.
we have to examine very carefully two cases on the same page in the Gemara and Sanhedrin. The Gemara and Sanhedrin is found on the Ayin Zayin Amar Beis. Itmar, Amar Rapapa said, Hayman de Kasve, excuse me, Hayman de Kafse Lechavre, a guy tied up his friend. He didn't like him. His friend was bothering him. He doesn't like the fact that his friend doesn't go for the same sports team that he does. So he had enough of him. He's going to tie him up and he's going to kill him. He feels that's a justified uh, recourse for his friend not rooting for his sports team. He's told him many times that he has to mend his ways. His friend is not listening, so he ties him up. But he's not going to shoot him. What he's going to do is he's going to put him near the, big, the Hoover Dam. He's then going to make a hole in the Hoover Dam. And within moments, this friend will be washed away in a tsunami. And he's going to wipe his hands clean, saying, It's not me. I didn't do it. The water, It's the Hoover Dam's fault. You see, what did I do? There's no avera for to tie someone up. People, they used to do it. Uh, when I grew up, uh, there was a shul where I davened in. On Simchas Torah, they used to tie up the Shliach Tzibor. So there's no avera on the Torah to tie someone up. It's not... It's not a nice thing to do. It's not, it's not advisable. If you want to make somebody your friend, avoid tying him up. It's not a good thing to do. But it's not a, you know, one of the 613 Averos, 613 mitzvahs. Anyway, the guy ties up his friend, and he then breaks the dam. Are you a murderer? Is he a murderer? Or is he not a murderer? Says the Gemara, Giri didehu. It's his arrow. Umechayev, and he's chayev. In other words, let's say somebody shoots an arrow. Say, well, what did I do wrong? There's no avera in the world to pull an arrow back in a quiver. It says in the Torah, I can't pull an arrow back in a quiver. Okay. And then I let go. So, what do you want from me? See, oh, but you caused his death. It's a grandma. Grandma is not a murderer. If somebody, or if somebody um, has a gun and he pulls the trigger back, so why is he a murderer? Why is he a murderer? He just pulled the trigger back. And then when he let go, so that, that caused the bullet to fly out. But we say it's your bullet. It's your arrow. So the halacha is, giri didehu. It's his arrow. It's his arrow. Umechayiv and yechayiv. But says the Gemara, hanimili b'kayach rishayim. That's only in the first but let's say the tsunami, let's say the guy's like 10 blocks away. And, you know, the water has to slowly go, 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 go until, and then go down a little bit of a drain and then get to him. That's kayach sheni, grama ba'amahu. That's only a grama. Okay, that's the first case. The first case is you tie your friend up, you break the dam, the water washes the guy away, you're chayev. Why? It's your arrow. And now we're going to take a 30 second timeout for battery switch. Okay. So Let's talk about another case. The Amar Rava. 
And I think this is something we could all understand. <coughs> that you can't call that a grama. Because I did that. I tied up my friend. I broke the dam. And I put my friend in the inevitable situation where a force that I unleashed is going to kill him. So that should be understandable. What makes things difficult is the next couple lines, which is a little bit higher up on the page, actually. But it's, uh, I put a number 11. If somebody shot an arrow, and the guy who you shot the arrow at has a shield in his hand. Okay, so again, you didn't do anything wrong. The guy has a shield. He is uh, adept at blocking arrows. So you just aimed an a arrow at his shield. Ub, fine. So Ruvain shot an arrow at Shimon. Shimon's holding a shield. Uba Achar. And Levi comes along. And before the arrow hits Shimon's shield, Levi comes and he kicks away Shimon's shield. And now the arrow hits Shimon between the eyes. What's the halacha? Levi's pater. Not only is Levi pater, but what if Ruvain who shot the arrow, he's such a fast guy, he outran the arrow, kicked away the shield. So now not only is he shooting the arrow, he's also the guy knocking away the shield. Then not lie. Even if the guy who shot it came and he took it away, Pater, he's Pater. Why? Levi, Levi's Pater for kicking away the arrow? Excuse me, for kicking away the shield, right? Two cases. Ruvain shoots an arrow at Shimon. Shimon's holding a shield. Levi comes along and knocks away the shield so the arrow hits Shimon. Or even if Ruvain comes along and knocks away the shield so that the arrow is going to hit Shem- Shemayin. Levi's putter for knocking away the shield. Ruvain's putter for shooting the arrow and knocking away the shield. Why? Because at the time that Ruvain shot the arrow, Mivsak his arrows were severed. At the time Ruvain shot the arrow, the arrow wasn't going to do any damage because Shimon's holding a shield. Which means, when Ruvain shot the arrow, they were not his arrows. Those arrows were harmless. Ah, but Levi kicked away the shield. Okay. What Avera is Levi doing? He's removing a protection from Shimon. Yeah, that's Grama. Levi's not killing Shimon. Levi's causing Shimon to die. That he's potter for. Levi's not killing Shimon. Levi is causing Shimon to die. So the million dollar question that the Rishonim ask on that Gemara, the Ramah asks on that Gemara, is that, wait a second, if by Levi taking away a shield, he's not killing Shimon, all he's doing is removing Shimon's protection, then why is it that if a guy comes, ties up his friend, and makes a hole in the dam, he shouldn't be killing Shimon, He's just removing Shimon's protection by making a hole in the dam. There's water looming here. The wall is the protection of Shimon. And by making a hole in the dam, you're removing the protection. 
So why is it that if someone shoots an arrow, removing the shield is a grama, and making a hole in the dam is not a grama, it's your arrow. Why when you make a hole in the dam is it your arrow? And when you remove the shield, it's a grama. That's the question of the day. That's why Hashem kept us alive for today, to study the distinction between these two cases, okay? They seem to be identical. However, they are not. And they are so different that literally the difference between them will explain to us why we can't turn on a light switch on Shabbos. Again, setting up the case, if you break a hole in the dam, even though you're just removing the guy's protection, what's protecting him from the water, that's called your arrow. And yet if an arrow is headed to a guy and you remove his shield, that's not your arrow, you're a grama ba'alma. And basically, what Reb Chaim Oyser Grzynski, in his classic tshuva on electricity, Shaila Suchuva Sachiezer, Simon Gimel, Chelek Gimel, excuse me, Simon Samach, he says a Dovar Noira. He says a wondrous thing, quoting the Rama. And in a nutshell, and maybe we'll read it inside, he says there's a very big difference between making a hole in a dam which seems to be just removing somebody's shield and taking away someone's shield. Namely, when an arrow is headed toward Shemayin and Levi comes along or even if Ruven comes along and knocks away the shield, listen carefully, if the shield is knocked away and removed after the arrow has already come to the shield, that doesn't do anything. It won't inflict any harm on Shimon. When will it inflict harm? If you do it while the arrow is headed there. Okay. So while the arrow is headed there, I took away the shield. Did I do anything? No, I didn't do anything. Because the arrow didn't come yet. Whoa, but you're making him susceptible to the arrow. Okay. I'm making him susceptible, but I'm not killing him. It's a grama. The arrow's on its way. I removed the shield. So what am I doing? I am removing something that could protect someone. Okay, that's a grama. That's a full-fledged grama. I'm removing something that could protect someone. I didn't do... What did I do? I just took away your shield. Oh, but eventually the arrow's going to come. Causing someone to be in a situation where ultimately they're going to die is a grama. So then why if I break a hole in a dam, is it considered my arrow? Listen very carefully. Because the water is looming there. The only thing holding it back is the dam. When I open up the dam... Will the water come in a few days? Will the water come in an arrow? Or will the water spurt out immediately? The water will spurt out immediately because the water is pressing up against the dam. And the water would wash the, way, the guy away right now if not for the dam. So by opening up the dam, I am triggering, activating the water immediately. When you activate an immediate, fo- when you activate a force immediately, that's your arrow. 
But when there's an arrow shooting and I take away a shield, the, the arrow's going to come. But it's not right there in front of it. It's going to come. So that's just a grama. You see, when there is a force right there, that as soon as I remove the impediment, I thereby activate and trigger a force. The force is there. There's something holding back the force. The moment I remove the impediment, I trigger that force. I activate the force. That is my arrow. It's like shooting a gun. No, shooting a gun should be a grama because I just pulled back the trigger. And that causes the bullet to shoot. Yeah, no kidding. But by pulling the trigger back, it immediately unleashes that force. You immediately unleash a force, a force that's there, and you're the one who unleashed it. You activated it. That's your arrow. But if you shoot an arrow at Shimon, and nothing would have happened to Shimon, because Shimon has a shield. If I then outrun the arrow and pull away the shield, I didn't activate the arrow. I made it that ultimately he will be hit by now. That's a grama. Says Reb Chaim Now, if my timing is so precise, then I remove the shield a nanosecond before the arrow comes, that is tantamount to activating the arrow. Because now it's not just I make him susceptible to the arrow that's coming. The arrow is literally by the shield and for me to pull it away that second, that's like shooting the guy. Then it becomes my arrow. Now let's apply that to turning on a light switch. Says so Chaim Moiser, you have an electric current in a circuit. It's the, you have an electric current in the wire. The problem is this, the current cannot travel further because the circuit is broken. So that's like water looming in a dam. The moment I flick the light switch, I close the circuit. The electricity will travel so fast that it will light up the incandescent bulb in a nanosecond, it's going to travel 186,000 miles per second. So it's, what am I doing? I'm triggering a looming force that the moment I close the circuit, I cause the fire to shoot up and to light up the incandescent bulb. That's not a grama. That's me. That's my arrow. That's my arrow. It's no different than someone who ties up his friend and then makes a hole in the dam. And therefore, says Reb Chaim Grzynski, that's considered not grama of electricity, that's burning a fire. Therefore, coming back to the question at hand, and uh, whether somebody speaks to Alexa and say, hey Alexa, turn on the light, or turn on the AC, are you being goyrem? Now think about it. There's a force. There is a capability of this technology. And by speaking to it, which we determined already is your act if you're going to cause a result, you immediately set off that a light goes on or that air conditioner goes on or that heat goes on or that a screen goes on. That's not a grama. 
That is your direct action, and it would be a malacha de iraisa. It's no different than sw- flicking on a light switch. You want to see the achiezer inside? Maybe it's kedai to see inside. Shal shetshuvas achiezer chelagimol simin samach vihine beikur hadavar shemavarim b'hayarchon. Regarding the subject that's explained, oifen halakas ho'alekri. Regarding lighting electricity, shebeter mechnisu otoychazachuches. Before it enters the glass bulb, hefsek yeshboi. There's a interruption. Uchshamasavi v'shagalgal. When you Turn the the circle. Nasat sipoi katzer zeh me'ain gesher. You create some kind of bi, bridge shahash zerem oivar love that the current flows through. So then you could say yesh ladon the besoyve vayla kafter shabatoy chamarech ene elagrama baama. Maybe you'll say it's just a grama, and it should be similar to what we say in Sanhedrin ayin zayin amid beis that if you shoot an arrow and the guy's holding a shield and somebody comes away and he takes away the shield, even if you yourself come and take away the shield, your putter. Why? Because at the time that you shot the arrow, at the time that you shot it, your arrows were ceased. So we see if you remove a shield that prevents an arrow, even though you make the arrow available to hit the guy, that this is not considered mazik biyadayim, it's a grama. So why don't we say the same thing regarding Shabbos, that flicking on a light switch is a grama, because I'm not lighting the fire, I'm just creating a bridge, I'm allowing that, that current to travel. So why is allowing a current to travel different than allowing an arrow to travel? Says with Chaim you have to understand, I asked an electrician, Vani Sha'alti Lu'uman Electron... Electrotechnic. I asked an electrician, Beherali Oifen Tachnes Hamachuna Haneavedes Po, Besavil Hav Kaptar Shabbatai Hamarech. He said, I asked the electrician, and he showed me that Levad Shemeser Agesher, Besides removing an impediment, mechaber imze gama chutin boifin shabasiva vakafter mechaber zechutin mamish loisa avar biyadayim. You're connecting the the wires, so you're actively lighting the fire. But he says even without that, he says even if you say that it happens on its own, but based on the Gemara and Sanhedrin, that if you tie your friend up and you break the dam. So he quotes the Rama, who asks, he says, Vi kashalach, michti, hachalav Why when you activate the dam, are you chayiv? The water's not going on. You know, actually it's counterintuitive. Think about it. If you shoot an arrow, you shot the arrow. And you pull away the, the shield, your putter. That arrow was your force. And yet if you break a dam, that the water is going on its own. It's not going from my force. Then I'm chayiv. In a way, it's counterintuitive. By the dam, the water is going on its own. It's the force of the water. It's not his force. By the arrow, it's his arrow. And yet by his arrow, you're putter for taking away the shield. 
and by the dam, you're chayiv for removing the dam. It's counterintuitive. By the dam, the water goes on its own. By the arrow, it's his arrow. And yet by the arrow, he's putter. And by the dam, he's chayiv. So the, the, the Yad Ramah wants to know, it's going mi chay. But there's an interruption. He says, excuse me, by the dam, the water is not going through his kayach. There's something in between the water and him, and you took it away, so the, the water is going on its own. Why are you chayiv? It's not your, his kayach. And why is it any different than shooting an arrow with a shield and someone takes away the arrow? So what do we see? That if taking away something between the victim and the arrow, your putter, even though the arrow was your force, certainly by the water where the water is not going from your force. Why are you chayev? So the Reb Chaim Oizer says very simply, when you take away the shield, you're taking away the shield before the arrow gets to the guy. Because if you take it away after it gets to the guy, then removing the shield wouldn't do anything. So you had to take away the shield before it gets to the guy. So then what am I doing? I didn't do anything. Remove a shield. He's in the same healthy condition he was as before. Oh, you're saying you're making him susceptible because the arrow is eventually going to come. Ha'amru kol soif hoireg lavai pater. We say, if the murder is going to come, your pater. The grama va'almahu, it's just grama. Yes. What does Kavarna play a role in this? If a person is moving the shield, does that mean that he wants the person to be hit? Absolutely. His Kavana is to murder the guy. But, again, you're, you're not a good guy. The guy's not a good guy. And he's not going to get shlishi in the shul. But he's not a halachic murderer because he did it through indirect cause. That's not called direct. Why? Because he removed the shield before the arrow was going to get there. So yes, he caused his death and he's going to be punished in, in heaven, but he's not considered uh, a murderer in terms of the, the courts down here in this world. Because the guy is a Met fan and he doesn't like Met fans. That was his... <laughs> not at all. The guy was premeditated. He's been... Pre- he's been practicing knocking out shields for 10 years. But nevertheless, in terms of what occurred, it was not considered a direct murder because the arrow was headed there. So then, what, what about by the dam? When you remove the dam, that interposed between him and the water, Maya Afra. The water was leaning up against the dam. The water was looming by the dam. So the way I, I like to explain it is that when you remove the dam, you activated the water. So now the water is you. The water is your arrow. But when you shot an arrow at a guy with a shield, the arrow is put is uh, won't accomplish anything. So your arrow is dead. Oh, what are you going to get me for? 
Removing the shield, think carefully. Removing a shield doesn't activate the arrow. It makes it that ultimately the arrow will hit. That's grama. Removing a dam activates the water because the water is right there pressing up against the dam. It's like shooting a bullet. Removing a dam is like shooting a bullet. Removing a shield is not like shooting a bullet. It's making the guy ultimately susceptible to the bullet. But applying this back to turning on a light switch, when you turn on a light switch where the current is up, up, it's right up to the edge of the wire. It's the only problem is it can't travel because the circuit's not completed. The moment you close the circuit, you're activating the current. That's your arrow. By the way, you know, if somebody turns on the, the switch of, a, of a, an electric chair, he's a murderer. Because again, that's his arrow. Or if somebody uh, flicks a switch and it causes Natilas Yadayim, for Natilas Yadayim you need something called Koyach Gavra. It has to be the, the force of man. It can't be a secondary Koyach. That's considered the force of man. The, the distinction that the Ramah quoted by Rabbi Chaim Oyser, is making is that when you remove a shield, you're just allowing the arrow to reach the guy. When you break a dam, you're activating the force of the water. So says Reb Chaim Moiser, It is clear from the Ramah. If the chetz was... Ag- no, oh, so he says a chiddush now. That if you were to remove the shield a millisecond before it would have got... To, uh, be, um, if you remove the shield a millisecond before the arrow gets there, that would be comparable to breaking the dam down. Because now you're not just taking away a shield and making him susceptible to the arrow, but since the arrow is right there, you then, like you, you then activate the arrow, and you you then like in a way have ownership over the arrow. The arrow is becoming you're unleashing that force. You're activating that force, not just putting the person in a situation where he will ultimately be affected by that force. Well, Nen- Again, but we have to. I understand, but we have to. We have to view each one separately. So the guy shot an arrow, right? But he didn't do anything because the guy is holding a shield. So shooting the arrow, we're not going to nail him for. Him. So now he quickly runs, runs and he removes the shield. That's also grama. Because he is just making the victim susceptible to a coming arrow. But yeah, the only thing is when he, shot, when, he, when he shot the arrow, there was a barrier. It's a later act. To remove the barrier. So th- the shooting was not problematic because there was a barrier. The removal of the barrier is not a good deed, but it's not a direct act of murder. It is removing of a barrier. But we don't view removing a dam as removing a barrier. We, remo- we view the removing of a dam as activating the force of the water. It's like shooting a gun. And that, this, this Gemara is the source for not using electricity on Shabbos. Why electricity is not grama, why electricity is your act. It's amazing, it's amazing that a Gemara in Sanhedrin that's not talking about Shabbos 
It's not talking about fire. It's not talking about electricity. Is marshaled as the, a very compelling source that turning on a light switch on Shabbos is your direct Misa. Now, if, let's say, by turning on a light switch, you cause a timer to go on, that that timer in 10 seconds will cause the light to go on, that's a grama. You know, and then maybe someone who's a chayla would be allowed to do that, possibly. But the, the classic light switch, the classic way electricity works, it's considered um, your act. Reb Chaim Oizer is mechadesh, that if you were to remove the shield a millisecond before the arrow comes, that would be more than just removing a barrier, that would be reckoned activating the oncoming arrow. So that's um, coming back to the voice activation, where you're not merely causing a light to go on if you say, hey Alexa, turn on the light, make yourself useful, turn on the light. You know? Your, your, your words are producing a significant act, so we already determined that was an act, and it's not a grama, it's, it's activating a force that's immediate, so that would be a malacha raisa. I also received an email during the week of someone who says that their father asked Rav Shlomo Zalman about if one were to um, cause malacha with their thought, that Rav Shlomo Zalman said it's meleches machsheves shehutra. It's meleches machsheves that is permitted. That may be, but Rav Shlomo Zalman, I do, I do not think, concluded that way. He has explicitly in the... Uh, in his Sefer, Ma'ayre Eish, I have it on the sheets over here, where, based on, uh, let's see if I could pull it out. In Ma'ayre Eish, Chelek Be'i Sha'ar Yod, Simen Yod Gimel, Hafalas Machshir Chashmali Be'amtsos Machshava, where he brings from the Zakan Aroin, who says from the Mechilta, that if somebody cooks through machshava or dibor, they're chayev. And he wanted to say that even though by all other malachas we say only darch asiyah is asar grama shari, not by bishel va'afiyah. So Rav Shalmazaman says, well, what about the fact that you're only cooking through thought? And it, it's not that it's not that malacha through thought is not a malacha, says Rav Shalma Zalman. It's that the isra of baking and cooking is only with fire. If you cook in the sun, you're putter. So if let's say you caused in your thought that the food should be cooked, that the food should, let's say you could cause through your thought that the man should taste like something cooked, that would not be mavashel, not because, says Rav Shlomo Zalman, thought would not 
be able, one would not be obligated for thought on Shabbos, but rather because you're not cooking with a fire. You're just making the food taste as if it's cooked in a fire. But if you could do Malacha Aydem Achshav, it does seem like Rav Shomazamen would forbid it, the same way we hold that if you cause Malacha through voice activation, it will be a problem. If somehow, and I think there is, if machines could detect uh, cerebral activity and thereby do malacha, that would also be a problem. So uh, next week, we'll see if we break it up into, uh, into two shirim. Uh, we're going to continue on the subject more in a hashkafic sense. And that is, with all of the advancements in artificial intelligence, is there any, or what is, if any, what is the advantage of human intelligence over artificial intelligence? Actually, they just reported in the news last week that using AI, there were these superbugs that they, they were not able to treat with antibiotic because uh, these bugs became uh, antibiotic resistant. So people would pick up these infections in the hospital or soldiers would pick it up in Afghanistan or Iraq these uh, superbugs that were resistant to antibiotic. And using a- AI, they, using the, the, you know, these algorithms, they were able to test like 7,000 drug compounds and they were able to identify exactly what was resistant about the uh, infection and they were able to come up with the right antibiotic for it. So the question is, <laughs> is our meager uh, mortal intelligence any match